Hi, welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Matt. I'm Sam. And every week we review a film that's available to stream on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, something like that. And we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down and we tell you whether or not you should waste your valuable time watching the things that we watch to waste our time. So uh, this week, Sam, was it your pick? Was it my pick? I think it was your pick, but I'm happy to give it a bit of an intro. Go for um, cause it. Because it, it was one that I'd had on, on my list as well. Um, so this week is Escape from Pretoria, um, which is a, a, a true story um, uh, set in apartheid South Africa and tells the story of, of two men who were imprisoned uh, for uh, protesting uh, against um, apartheid and, and how, you know, spoiler alert, how they escape from uh, from prison. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the the overview. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think there's probably one thing that jumps out straight away, and is casting on this one. That's probably the thing that, that I don't know. In seeing Daniel Radcliffe on the mm-hmm. uh, on the poster or on the the screen image or whatever, what we, how do you feel about Daniel Radcliffe post? Harry Potter can you take him in anything else or is he always going to be Harry I'll be honest I struggle I really struggle with him um and I don't want to because I'm sure he's a really nice dude but he is just Harry Potter and in everything I've seen him in since then he is just wooden he I don't think he's a particularly good actor um that's my bit (laughs) (laughs) that's your bit there so, we go. So I, I hadn't heard of the, the movie before and um, when you suggested I had a look at IMDb and uh, saw Daniel Radcliffe was in it and uh, my heart sunk and I really didn't want to watch the movie. Uh, <laughs> um, not a fan of his at all um, and it's not necessarily to do with his acting. I think it's the fact that he still looks like a child, mm-hmm. which I struggle with. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, for example, um, Woman in Black, you know, that I can't take him seriously in it. He, he, he's like he's a child See, acting like a, like a bloke. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was full of dread watching going into this movie. And I, I don't know, maybe I had a, I do think it's, it's really hard to disconnect someone when they have been such an iconic kind of character. I felt that he probably had more, and this is probably going to sound a bit pretentious, but maybe a slightly bit more kind of physicality to him in this movie than other things that I've seen him in, in the sense that I, I maybe it's just the fact that he's grown up a bit, like literally physically um, uh, in comparison to say like Woman in Black, where it was like, oh, he's just stolen his dad's suit or whatever, uh, making a little movie. Um, but that said, it is hard to get past it. And we have to call out the accent as well. Um, which so is I, I feel with. like I feel like the accent is going to be a whole thing because <laughs> it's a whole episode. <laughs> so when so I watched this about doing any kind of research into it. My dad actually messaged me and he said, "You got to watch this on Amazon Prime. Get on there, have a look." So got on there, watched it, and the accent was just straight away within the first sentence where he spoke. I just went, "Oh God, here we go." Um, but then all the other accents I thought were quite good. And so in my head, I was like, well, they've got a bunch of South African actors and then they've used Daniel Radcliffe for star power. But actually, most of the cast are Australian. 
Mm. That I thought was really interesting. I don't know if there is, I don't know if it's easier to do South African if you're Australian than if you're English, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. But they're, generally speaking, I thought the other accents were quite good. It was Daniel Radcliffe that just, every time he spoke, oh my goodness. In fact, we had to put the subtitles on at one point because I wasn't entirely sure what he was saying. <laughs> I, I had to do exactly the same thing when when they first were in the, in prison and they were first in the um in the yard walking around talking to people i couldn't understand a word what was being oh. said i had to i had to put the subtitles on yeah yeah i i kind of felt like there were points where i wouldn't say the accent was good but i knew he was doing south african he was sort <laughs> of like you know how's it it was kind of like you know like okay yeah right i see what you're doing there and then at other points it's like it's just gone it was just it disappeared blown away in the wind and it was just hi i'm daniel radcliffe and i'm british yeah. um so i know it's a difficult thing isn't it like I, some some movies i think are really successful when they don't bother with the accent or when they um sort of just throw throw it out the window almost um, i'm thinking of um death of stalin i don't know if you've seen that Mm -hmm. um which is 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 an amazing dark comedy but they just every every character just uses their own accent so mm -hmm. american actors are american british actors are british and it just works um so I, but i guess this is a historical sort of you know a, a true to life story so you can understand it would be a bit odd i just know. thought it, it was odd casting I, I felt like you could have got some middle-aged south african actor in that role and it would have improved the film yeah yeah in, in my opinion i don't think daniel powers uh, daniel radcliffe's star power brings enough to the table to warrant putting him in the film yeah and i'd say there were probably like actors that i felt their characters were probably so their performance was was stronger um uh ian hart who played sort of the I want to call him like the mother superior character. He's the sort of the, the head um, uh, kind of renegade in the prison, so yes. to speak. And I felt like he, his, you, you could tell he, he's a seasoned actor. Um, uh, yeah, it was more, more believable, I felt. The, um, it's funny you guys mentioned the accent because I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind throughout the movie. Apart from that, that time where yeah. I said I had to turn the subtitles on. Um, didn't didn't pay attention to the accents it just whatever hit me hit me um and i don't know if that was due to how much i was enjoying the movie but um yeah it didn't cross my mind one point i found from from the get-go i found it really off-putting yeah. it, it it did hit me at points i probably just kind of got used to it i don't know whether it was sort of a sticking point for me but it was it was kind of it was there yeah mm. so go on sorry i was going to say just um in it sort of I guess leading into kind of like the plot side of things I know this is a historical uh story I've got some thoughts on what I think about kind of the plot and the, the storyline to this but I throw it open to you guys see what what your thoughts are have, have you read up on it since you watched the film not really what generally happens when we watch like a historical film is my wife sits next to me and she goes through it and she reads it and then she turns around and goes they do get out in the end <laughs> um, and I'm like, thanks for that. Or, you know, yeah, he doesn't die in the car crash. Oh. Okay, yeah, well, you know, all those sort of things. Um, so she'd already sort of had a look for me, but I, I haven't done any of my own research, no. So I did, because I found it really fascinating. So I looked at kind of the production of it and this, that and the other. Um, and the real life 
Daniel, the chap that Daniel Radcliffe was playing, I want to say his name was Tim. Mm. I think it was think Tim. Right. Um, the Tim real Jenkins. life Tim uh, was an advisor on the film. And he coached Daniel Radcliffe with his South African accent. And he was really <laughs> heavily involved in that sort of thing. But what's really interesting is that um, in terms of its accuracy, it is relatively accurate for a historical film. But there are some things. So for me, so just going through the plot, there's a moment where they change their clothes just before they're going to escape. And there is no mention prior to this how they got hold of those clothes. And all of a sudden they pull these change clothes out the bag and then escape. And I was just sitting there going, where the hell did those clothes come from? Um, interestingly, I was doing this research later on and the director said, there's a moment where they pulled these clothes out the bag and they get changed. We have actually filmed parts of where they found yeah. those, but we had to remove them because the film was too long. And that for me was just, I don't know, because at that minute I was like, where did those clothes come from? They haven't explained this to me. I, I feel there was probably lots of points like that, but I, I noticed yeah. lots of holes in, in the story and, what, what, and it felt the like there were chunks missing. Yeah. Yeah. What's the motivation then in terms of, I don't know if that came up, it's not a question for you, Andy, but it's more me thinking, because the movie's 107 minutes long. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a long movie by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm not, I'm not sure. And I guess probably that leads into my, probably my thought is that I felt like we needed almost more at the beginning and more at the end. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to know more about how they were not radicalized, but how about how they came to sort of step away from the kind of the prevailing white culture and mm -hmm. uh, and and um, and side with you know the oppressed uh, um, black culture, and also at the end, I I, I want to know how they escaped. I know they got out of the they got out of the prison, but that's that's only the first bit of, yeah. the, of an escape. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. That I don't know where that kind of need for it to be that short. I I I am always impressed with like a ninety minute film or you know a, a hundred minute film. But yeah, that's yeah, mm, that's interesting. I, I feel like it was it was a, a film um, to to showcase uh, the director's talent on how tense he can make the film, um, not necessarily the story. And it was tense as hell. It was tense. And do you know there were moments in this film where my heart rate was genuinely oh. like going like. Doo, 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 doo. I haven't watched a film like that in a really long time. A film where I. And I genuinely care whether or not these guys get out. Mm -hmm. And that I thought was, you know, for you know what I'm saying about the accent mm. and all this, that, and the other, it really was tense, really tense. Yeah, yeah. there was some there were some scenes where like it really you could feel the like I think there's the one scene for me that stands out from, from that perspective was the um he's trying to pick up the key with a piece of chewing gum oh on the end God. of a stick. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. just imagine yourself trying to uh -huh. do that and it's like oh. yeah. Yeah, oh, I was holding my breath at that point with him. You know, yeah, <laughs> finally absolutely. breathed in when he mm. got that key. But 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 yeah, I I, th I think that the 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 holes in the in the plot and and the things perhaps that they cut out to explain these holes um, mm. were, were due to the fact that they wanted to keep it short, concise, and tense, and 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 for a for an audience mm. that perhaps um, would rush to see a Daniel Radcliffe film. Right, yeah. It'd be interesting to see the director's cut. Um, mm. See, you know, see if it does make a difference in the kind of how tense it all is. I'd watch it. Yeah. And I think, again, part of that, a part of the, 
I guess the challenge of it is, you know, what what they actually did is is incredibly impressive. And like, I, you know, it's one of those things where I may look up sort of and see if there's a the. I'm, I'm sure it comes from the autobiography of of Tim Jenkin and whether he's, you know, whether I can get that on Audible or something like that because I love that kind of story. Um, that said, a film, if you look at it from the perspective of a film where people make keys and then gradually open doors you kind of think well there needs to be a bit more than that because once we've seen you open one door with a key we have really seen you open a lot of the doors with keys Um, every time they went to open a door I was absolutely convinced that it was going to snap off in the door every single time exactly I was sitting there and I was sitting watching it with Alice and I was going right this is the one that's going to snap and it didn't I was like oh my god oh they've done it they've got through and so I don't know I think they did actually a really clever job of keeping something that is quite mundane lots of close-ups of keys going into locks and turning and the sound design of those clicking and all of that yeah really smart but I loved it. I thought, you know, really, it, yeah. I have to admit, yeah, the sound design as well. Like, it's not when you mention it there that just the way that they, the sounds of those keys creaking and mm-hmm. yeah, like you, it just added to sort of the, the stress of those moments. There was I a think couple of moments. Sorry to interrupt there about the sound no, design. No. But, but I think I think it's quite important though. Um, and this is me being really, really picky here. But there were moments where. Um, the sound design wasn't very um, accurate. So there were sounds that were happening way off that were at the same level as other stuff. And you could just tell, I think from a someone who spent a lot of time kind of behind the camera and at editing, I could tell that there wasn't enough thought put into lowering that sound so that the other, do you know, see what I mean? There were the balance of sounds that I didn't think at times, not the whole way through, but at times I re- that really bugged me. Um, and I, I'm that annoying person that when you watch a film, I go, God, can you can you hear that? <laughs> but that, that, you know, and it, we're talking like two or three times throughout the film, but it was just something. Uh, but generally, the sound design was wicked, really, mm-hmm. really smart, really smart. I think another thing that probably added to some of the stress was there's some, I felt some really good shots, like when they were hiding in the darkness and how they had the light just crossing the eyes and, and the way that the, the whites of the eyes were illuminated and the sort of a stress that's shown in those mm-hmm. moments. That, again, I thought was quite effective. When I, when I first saw that shot, actually, I cringed. I, I thought, oh, that's <laughs> oh, typical. Um, but but, the, but they, they used it with good effect. I thought it was just the way it lingered there and, the, and it went back and forth between him holding on to that thing with a finger. Um, that mm. was... A very stressful moment. I think the stress made me forget about that particular beam of light across the eyes. Do you know, if I was still teaching, I would almost certainly use this film to demonstrate how a director uses camera angles and mise-en-scene to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, because the there was an unusual amount of close-ups in this film and not very many wide shots. Even when they're in the canteen, and they're sitting there, you never saw that canteen as a kind of a whole canteen. You only ever saw mm-hmm. a very kind of a, a medium shot at most. And I thought it was a really good example of creating narrative, that kind of confined narrative using the camera. Really smart, really, really well thought through. 
Yeah, I, I, I ruined it for myself uh, for for this part for the for the visuals aspect. I, I got a new TV recently, and I thought to myself, you know, this isn't a film I would usually watch. Let's let's watch this on default settings with with everything turned on as it as it would come out of, of the box, and um, it had motion motion plus turned on and dynamic picture range on, and uh, the dynamic sound was on. Um, so I had a, a Benny Hill super smooth picture the whole time. I had um, dark dark scenes turning into light scenes in front of my eyes because it, you know the, the, the contrast was being dynamically changed for me. And same with the sound. Uh, you, you talk about the sound earlier, little things pointed out. Um, this, this isn't a critique of the film, it's more of a critique of my TV's special features. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ruined the, 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 the imagery in this film for my, myself. Using this. Because it really is very smart, really smart. It's for, for a long, I, haven't, I don't think I've seen a film that's been this carefully considered from a technical perspective in a long time. Um, and it really was, it was very clever at times. Yeah. For me, it felt like an episode of Coronation Street, if I'm going to be honest, the way, the way that it was moving about and the way oh, it was smooth. I think it was about 120 hertz. It yeah, mate. Didn't feel well. Oh. Sounds like we need a, a, a rewatch. A re there was one scene that did jump out to me because I, I instantly turned around to my wife and said, "What would you do? What would you do if that, in that situation?" And it was um, when the 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 warden, the guard, the governor, or whatever you want to call him, he's he's trashing the cell and he picks up the the key, the end of the key off the floor, and it's like, "What's this?" And instantly I was like. What would I say? I don't know. What would I? Obviously, it's a, it's a, uh, and obviously, he manages to justify. Oh, it's a picture. Like, uh. But yeah, I was instantly thinking, what, what on earth? What on earth do you say in in that situation? Can we just go back to casting a moment? Just something that sticks out for me. So there's a French chap in it, a guy called Leonard. Um, don't know the actor's name. He's Australian though. He's not French, and I thought he was excellent. I really, really like. I I really felt, and it sounds really stupid, but I felt a connection with him. I really, this he seemed so real compared to not any of the you know all of the other characters, but certainly Daniel Radcliffe's character. He felt less kind of legendary and more real. Is this because and, he he had a, a a we we saw saw his family, we saw his child. You know, Daniel Radcliffe's girlfriend, wife in the beginning. Um, we see very briefly, and then we don't see her again. Don't really get get mentioned. Um, Do you want to know something really sad? So in real life, he moved from South Africa to oh my goodness, somewhere Tanzania. somewhere in London. It was Tanzania, Tanzania, Mozambique maybe, and then to London. And he never saw her again. Oh. Isn't that sad? Mm. It's a, uh, I guess, it's the, the price. <laughs> well, I was going to say the price to be paid, but it wasn't really. It wasn't really the price that he wanted to pay. It was um, the, the, obviously the, um, the sad times that they were going through. They were that they were fighting against. But uh, to your point on on the character. Um, Find the actual character's name. Uh, I want to say that he plays uh, Leonard Fontaine or something like that. Maybe um, Fontaine. I could, I could be. I could be wrong. Um, but um, 
I got a feeling, and I don't know if I'm corrected, that his character was like a composite character. Um, certainly at the end when they had like the comparison between the actors during the credits where they had the actor and then the, the real life. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was there on his own, which is the irony. I, I mean, it could have been a real person. It was um, based on a real person, was it? not called Lenny. Yeah. Um, can't remember his name. Somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. He. It, um, he's he's written a book or made a documentary. He's done. Uh, okay. Documents. Yeah. That was yeah. Okay. That fair enough. That um, yeah. Because part part of me thought that he was a composite character because he seemed to have so much more. <laughs> I don't know about him that they'd kind of yeah. brought in these different stories and combined them. Um, but no, I agree. He brought something, that character certainly brought something a bit different, a bit of kind of a, I don't know, a madness, a, a, a sort of a, a, a craziness to him um, uh, that, the other, that the other two didn't necessarily have. Um, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the things that really bugs me, again, I'm sort of going off on a bit of a tangent here. Um, so the main, I think they called them all <sighs> Meneer? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, yeah. Um, and so the kind of the main guard, the guy who had the scars on his face, mm -hmm. that for me felt really Indiana Jones. It felt really kind of right. We need a bad guy. How can we make him bad? Let's give him some scars. Like it just, <laughs> they didn't need to do that. And you know, maybe they just, my bad, they may have just cast an actor who had scars on his face, but it felt like he had scars on his face because he was a bad guy. And I, I don't know. I really, it's the whole, it's very James Bond-esque, isn't it? It kind of, all of the bad guys have some, some physical deformity. I just, I don't know. Well, if you think about it, like, obviously this, this movie fits into a couple of different genres. You've got the true life story genre, then you've also got the prison movie genre. And I guess there are kind of tropes that you have to have in a prison movie, like you've You've got to have you've got to have the moment where the cells get tossed and they they try and find all the stuff you've got and and you've got to have the big bad warden who is like from the day one I'm gonna make your life hell sort of thing you know um, oh, uh, and, and and maybe that I don't know yeah and I guess if you look at it from that perspective is it is it a good prison movie if you put like maybe on the pedestal you've got um, Shawshank Redemption does it rank up in that kind of genre I'm not sure it does personally I, I mean it's no Shawshank Redemption that's for sure hmm. um, I haven't seen Shawshank for a long 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 time and uh, ITV2 it's probably on soon yeah <laughs> one of those isn't it um Going back to you mentioned that the, one of the troops of a of a uh, of a prison movie, the, the the cells being kind of raided by the guards. Why didn't they find any of the keys? <laughs> what was going on there? Rub the rubbish. The guards were rubbish. <laughs> they were. They, I just... Tim must have had so many keys in his under his bed. Penny had, yeah, yeah. Looney Tunes must... guards. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's one of those things where maybe if you think about it, like that, if you're, if you think that something is so inconceivable, would you even, would you even look for it? Like, would you even think at that stage, would they think, do you know what people might make keys, wooden keys to escape the prison? They had guards on the walls with, with, you know, a sniper on the walls. They had locks, you know, they had, they had patrols. Are, are wooden keys really going to be something we need to worry about? Well, it's not that that thought process probably 
go through anyone's mind. Um, it's almost not, 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 I don't know if there's a really a, a parallel, but it makes me think of something like, I don't know, like 9-11. Before that, there were loads of things that no one ever thought about, you know, in the terms of processes for security in airports and on planes. And now it's kind of like a given. And you watch old movies like, I don't know, Home Alone, and you're like, how can I just get on the plane? I mean, but that, that's a little bit of a, ta a tangent there. But I guess it might be that yeah, same yeah. point that I, mean, I could kind of believe it to that perspective, that it'd be so stupid that why would, why would it even come into their mind? Mm. Uh, I, I can see both sides. And so someone I, I wanted to bring up, everyone, um, the toothpaste. I couldn't work out what that was about either if we're talking about holes did i miss so, it yeah so my understanding of that was the toothpaste so the the guy um what, what was his name um with the glasses he? yeah the the older yeah. gentleman with the glasses oh, he was kind of like dennis. The, dennis that was it dennis so he was kind of like he looked after everyone so when they got in there and they took those cigar tubes out their bums with their money in it they gave the money to him. He hid it in the toothpaste so that he could kind of keep it safe for them. That's why he gave them the toothpaste at the end. So they had the money to escape with. That's my understanding of it. But he'd also done it in such a way that if you were to, because there's a moment where he takes uh, the guard, the manier takes the mm. um, cap off, smells it for the toothpaste and then puts it back on. So he'd kind of engineered it in a way that there was still toothpaste in there, but the money was safe in there as well. Similar to that other scene where they um, are, he's trying to take I don't know something out of the woodwork, um, the, the uh, shop or whatever, and um, and he's got something hidden in his his coffee um, flask, mm -hmm. but he's managed to like wedge it down so there's some coffee on top of it, sort of thing. Um, and then yeah, I saw it the other way around. You know, in a in a thermos flask, you you've got the so the top and the bottom. I think he took the bottom off and hid it in. The kind of oh. the flask is like a dome shape, isn't it? Inside, yeah. But I think he hid it around the dome, and then the materials to stop it rattling around. Got it, got you. Yeah, yeah. Because we were having a discussion at our house. Alice and I were as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. how that's what I think he did. Um, mm. But then you know, for me, okay, this guy's emptying the flasks. Just do your job properly. Look in it. Mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he had put it in the bottom, it wouldn't have mattered. But it just felt like he was tapping it. And then there was this really suspenseful moment where, is he going to look in? Is he going to look in? And he put the lid back on. You go, mate, like, you're supposed to be checking, see if there's anything in there. Have a look. <laughs> but, hey. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, I don't, um, sorry, I haven't go got a whole lot more to say about it. I, I haven't. No, no. And I'm interested to see where we're like going to land because I feel like we've said some really mixed things yeah, on sure. this. Well, should, um, I, should I start off? Yeah, you go, go for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I would recommend this film. Um, I think it's really it's very easy watching in the sense that you, you don't have to really do much thinking, and it's really tense, and it's a great film in terms of you do become quite invested in several of the characters, and you really want them to escape. Um, so I do think it's worth watching. I, I think, you know, it's, it's a relatively short film, so it's not like it's going to take up a whole evening. Um, and there is a lot about the film that's very, very enjoyable. There are some things that will, you know, if you're as picky as me, will kind of get you going. But actually, you know, I, I do think this is worth a watch. So 
if you do get the time, Amazon Prime, give it a go. I'll go next. Um, so I, 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 like I said, I came into this movie not not looking forward to it at all. Um, when they got into prison and I saw the the prison guards, uh, the sniper with the sniper eyes, I thought, oh, please, please be in a regular kind of escape movie. They get snipered at the end. That would be brilliant. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Um, but then the, the tenseness took over and I I started rooting for the characters to, to get out safely. Um, it's probably one of the tensest films I've seen this year, definitely. Um, and and I would recommend it. It has its flaws. Um, and it's not a perfect film by any by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's a good, fun, tense watch. Uh, yeah, give it a go. Hmm. I'm going to be the uh, the dissenting voice then this evening, and not from any massive issues. I'm not going to go on like a demo style right now. It's my time for a rant. Um, <laughs> this is all done completely without uh, any kind of malice or anything like that. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it to a certain extent. Um, I think there was some, you know, there was some really good, really tense scenes, and I liked the a lot of the things that the director did and the way that they used the the lighting and things like that. And I think you guys have certainly highlighted some things that maybe I overlooked that were really positive. Um, I just not sure I enjoyed it enough to be able to honestly say I would recommend someone else to to watch it. I thought it was good but nothing particularly to shout about. And um, I could have done with more. I could have done with more story. I think um, it's, it'll be, I'll be really interested. You know, maybe there isn't a story behind it, but I'd be really interested to know why it was so short when there probably was a lot more that could be told about it. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a not recommend for me. Two versus one. You have to make up your own mind then, guys. Yeah. Do you go with the majority or... <clears throat> you go with the uh, the s small voice well we'll assume that Damo says no he doesn't like it and then um, yeah but um yeah i'll be interested it. to know what Damo thinks about it actually because it's one of those films where you know i i don't know where it would sit um my dad loved it my dad thought it was amazing but i'm fairly certain my dad's never seen a harry potter film so <laughs> maybe he doesn't have that same association with daniel rakeup i'm not sure um i'm sure he could probably still see the glue that was sticking his beard on though um, I'll be honest if Daniel Radcliffe can grow a beard that good I'll eat my hat honestly <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> anyway right uh, so if you have enjoyed what we uh, what we do sit here and talk rubbish about films we uh, you can get a hold of us on Facebook on Instagram on YouTube um, the podcast is available to download on anchor and spotify and apple podcasts and any i think most not any but most podcast providers so get out there download it get onto social media let us know what you think tell us how awful we are tell us how great we are we don't care we've got, we've got thick skin we just want to talk to people <laughs> we're just lonely <laughs> lockdown's been tough man <laughs> uh right but with that i'll say Bye-bye from me. Take care. See you later.